0: And life is crazy right now, okay? It's crazy. We've been talking about worship the past few weeks, and, uh, man, what a time to worship. What a time to be alive. And it's wild. Everybody that's like, you know, 2019 was a tough year. 2020 is my year. And then it's like, well, sorry, maybe next year. You know, it's kind of a, a rough start for everybody. Um, we had some friends of ours that um, just took their kids to Disney, and the day they got there, they closed the parks down. And I felt so bad for them. It's Chris Casey. He's a pastor in Worcester and uh, just a great guy, and, and we love them. They support us, too. And she sent a picture of her daughter in a breathing mask, like, you know, this has been her dream for her whole life, and now they got to, you know, get quarantined. And, and uh, so just pray for all those that are affected. We're going to pray at the end, but we're talking about worship still. Listen, the, the coronavirus, COVID-19, all that stuff, it, it's affecting all of us in some way. I got my kids for the next two weeks off of school. That's a lot, okay? I mean, that's that, that's gonna, that changes everything. And uh, maybe you'll have to work remotely from home now, things like that. Um, it, it did. Life gets crazy. The whole thought today of the message and the whole premise of everything today, and actually, I plan on preaching this before it got super, super crazy um, about just worshiping God through difficulty, but God still deserves worship during difficult times, doesn't he? People are freaking out, you know? Uh, some people are just in complete paranoia, and you've probably been around them. I, uh, if you try to go to the store this week, you probably understand exactly what I'm talking about. I mean... Toilet paper is gone. It's just gone. Um, I know at BJ's, they have like a limit per two. And, and I think people brought like their, their spouses and their adult children, and they all just had a big line of like 40 things of toilet paper. Um, like, this is an intestinal bug. I don't know. I don't really know. But either way, it's all gone. Um, and, and if I see you walking out of here with some of our toilet paper, I'm just going to trust that you need it more than we do, so you go ahead and take it. And, uh, but I was at BJ's on Friday. Cheyenne went there, I think, Thursday night. And uh, She sent a, a video to the family and it was everything was completely empty. Just like the meat was all gone. The papers all gone It was just insane. So I, I was like, well, I better go Friday morning and just grab some snacks Just in case people buy it all up. Like I'm not trying to I got four boys So I got to get a lot of food anyway, you know, so let's just go before it's all gone So I went at 10 o'clock on a Friday morning, which you assume that's a pretty decent time to go People are probably already at work and things like that. No, they weren't apparently I pulled in at 10 o'clock, and there was still cars and cars filing in, no parking at all available, like just nothing. There was one spot, the last spot before like the end of the parking lot, and I just squeezed in real quick, and we walked in, and it was absolutely crazy. Lines were from the front of the store uh, all the way to the back walls, wrapped around things. Thankfully, they were pretty stocked up. It was still in the morning, so there was still meat there, but it was insane, like people were just... Pushing, I so long I was like 19 bags of cat food, like that's going to get bought up, you know. But you're just like, man, there's just, people are going crazy. I'm standing there like thinking in my mind like, these people, these people are crazy. These people are insane. As I'm grabbing like seven, 17 pounds of chicken breast and stuff like that. But, but you're just, everybody's going crazy. And Marissa said, she's like, it's like Black Friday but with no deals, you know. And a lot more breathing masks all, all over the place. Um, and, and I thought about this and I was just preparing this message Life is pretty crazy right now, but the truth is, this is all going to pass, like everything else does. It's going to pass sooner or later. Whether it gets whether it's peaked or not, it's going to go. It's going to go by, and it's going to pass like everything else. I don't think it's something to totally ignore. Um, I think it's something to pray for. I think we should we should pray for the health of those around. Pray for our, the health of our families and of ourselves. And and I think through this, pray that the gospel is magnified. I've seen so many pastors and church planners on Facebook say, "Man, people are." Very open to the gospel right now. Maybe from a distance, you know, you don't want to go up in their, in their faces. But they're they're living in fear, and they're looking for hope, and they're looking for something. People are scared. Uh, I think of the people that, you know, suddenly their kids are out of school, and maybe their jobs are not. They can't work from home. I think of police officers and nurses, those that have to go in, but now they got to scramble to find somebody to watch their kids. You know. Um, that, that, that's stressful. How are they going to pay bills? You know, people trying to stay healthy. I think of people that have, uh, you know Grandparents that, that are sick that, that are in nursing homes. Where they, listen, there's fear. There's 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 definitely Good reason for people to be a little, you know, you know People that have lost family think about it. someone out there. There's been several, you know Thousands of deaths already whether they're in just China or wherever, but even in the States people have lost loved ones from this That that's that is serious It may not be the numbers that, you know, other countries are putting up, things like that. But still, people are hurting and people are scared. And it's just proof that we live in a fallen, sin-riddled world full of difficulty, full of heartache, and full of trouble. Because, you know, sure, this is going to pass and sometime down the road something else is going to come up. Whether it be as a nation or in your personal life, difficulty will come. And God still deserves worship during difficult times. And that's the message today. We find a man in Second Chronicles 20 who's in trouble. Uh, and and we, we, his name is King Jehoshaphat. And King Jehoshaphat... Uh, wasn't perfect by any means. He's, he's a, he was a good king. He did a lot of good. He did tear down the, the false gods and the groves and the idols that the people of Judah had put up. Uh, uh, in chapter 17, you see him um, you know, tearing all that down and, and seeking the Lord. He called on God in times of trouble. But also in chapter 18, King Jehoshaphat uh, had his son marry the, uh, the, the daughter of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, these wicked, uh, mon- these wicked king and queen. So, so he kind of yoked up with the enemy there. He, he went to visit King Ahab uh, in, in chapter 18, and, and they had a good time together, and, and we won't go through all that, but I'm just showing you that even though this guy was a good king and he did seek God, he wasn't perfect by any means. They went against the commandment of God's uh, prophet Micaiah, and they went to battle at Ramoth Gilead when, when they really weren't supposed to. And king, and king Jehoshaphat almost died, but God was gracious and helped him in the battle. Chapter 19 Shows uh, the king returning uh, from, from the battle in peace and back to, to Judah. But the prophet Jehu there rebukes him. and says, what are you doing, man? Like, you shouldn't be with those people. Why, why are you being, showing kindness to the ungodly and the enemies of God? And, but he also compliments him for, for uh, taking down the idol and seeking the Lord. So we see in the life of Jehoshaphat, like every other story in the Bible, the grace of God in our lives. Because he wasn't perfect. He did make mistakes. But God still showed grace. The grace of God was not limited by the shortcomings of Jehoshaphat. God's grace is greater than all of our sin. It's greater than all of our sin. It's greater than your shame. It's greater uh, uh, than fear. And, And the beautiful thing about God is that He will show grace when we don't deserve it. And that's why it's grace. There's no such thing as deserved grace. None of us deserve it, but God shows it. So we find this imperfect, broken man in 2 Chronicles 20. And I want to share three truths about difficulty that we see in this passage this morning. Let's look at the first two verses. They're on the screen if you, if you don't have your Bible. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and, and verses 1 and 2 say this. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Gidai. We, we see here in these first two verses a pretty big problem for the king. After just getting back from battle, after getting rebuked by the prophet for his wrongdoing and, and making things right, trouble comes into the life and into the kingdom of King Jehoshaphat. The enemy is on its way. The enemies of God, the Moabites, the Ammonites, are on their way to attack, to capture, to kill the people of Judah. So I want to give you the first truth. Difficulty is going to come. Difficulty is going to come. It will stare you right in the face, it will surprise you. Difficulty will meet you in the morning when you wake up. It'll be the first, some, some of us, the, the, we're going through something, and the, the, right when you wake up, the first thing that comes to your mind is that difficulty that you're facing, that trial, that tribulation. Difficulty will keep you up at night uh, with its silent screams of fear of what's to come. And the house might be quiet and the kids might be sleeping and your spouse might be asleep, but you're sitting there and it's, the difficulty is screaming so loud in your ear and in your mind and in your heart of what's to come, the unknown. Difficulty does not care about your reputation. It doesn't care about your schedule. Difficulty doesn't care about your financial well-being or lack of it. It doesn't care uh, that you faced difficulty last week or last month or last year. It does not care. It's going to come. It will come to the poor. It will come to the rich. It will come to the child. It will come to the old man. Difficulty will come to the optimist, those who, who think everything's great, and it will come to the pessimist. Difficulty comes uh, uh, to everyone. And in your life, it will come. Maybe it already has. Maybe you're going through it now. And difficulty looks different to everybody. To some, uh, some people losing a job would be a blessing that <laughs> they would welcome. I Man, they they want to get out of a job. And and but to others, it would completely rock their world. It would completely rock their world. To other people, they lost their job. I remember being with a friend of mine in Michigan. Who, who lost his job suddenly. Something happened at work, and I remember walking with him after a, a softball game, and he was in tears. His father of three, four kids, a good guy, a good friend of mine, just not knowing what's coming, not knowing what's going to happen. Difficulty had entered his life. Some people don't care about their car breaking down. It's it's something that they just face head on and they, they get over it real quick. Maybe they have another car they can drive. But some people, I mean, their car breaks is the only way of transportation. They have no way to their jobs now, and it, and it just completely uh, stresses them out beyond belief. Difficulty looks different to everybody. Okay, but James one, and James chapter one, no matter what the difficulty is, it's going to come. It says in verse uh, two and three of James one, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It doesn't say if, it says when you face temptations, trials, trouble. It's going to come. Jesus said in John 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Jesus said it's going to come. Difficulty and trouble is going to enter your life. The sad fact, the big truth the undesired reality is that you will have difficulty and I will have difficulty. We cannot hide from it. It will always find us. You can quarantine yourself all you want. Hey, you may not get the coronavirus, but difficulty is still going to find a way to enter your life. In your life, difficulty will come. That's the first truth we see. See here in King Jehoshaphat's life. It, after everything had already happened in his life, man, suddenly the enemies are on their way. Let's look at the next two verses. Verse 3 and 4, what happens? And Jehoshaphat, after the, uh, his servants came and said, the enemy is on its way, verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. And by the way, when difficulty does come, oftentimes it does give us fear. Oftentimes it does give us fear. Trials come into our lives. Fear does come. Jehoshaphat feared, but what did he do? He set himself to seek the Lord, proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Truth number two that we see in the passage, difficulty will trigger a response. Difficulty will trigger a response. When it comes into your life, you will respond. In Jehoshaphat's case, he chooses to respond by not only seeking the Lord personally, but seeking the Lord as a nation. A response would you, say, well, I, what if I choose not to respond? Well, that's a response. <laughs> You're going to respond. Difficulty will trigger a response. You should respond by trusting in your Messiah to deliver you. But oftentimes, we respond by looking to someone else or something else to be that Messiah to deliver us. Oftentimes, also, you may try to be your own Messiah and try to dig yourself out of that hole. In the big moments of heartache or fear, can I tell you something? You cannot trust your spouse to be your Messiah. You can't do it. In moments of difficulty in your life, you cannot trust your spouse to deliver you. Your job cannot save you from strife. A a, a bigger paycheck isn't going to fulfill you. It's not going to save you and deliver you. And I'm not diminishing at all the blessing of God found in a husband or wife. Now, I don't know what I would do without my wife. I don't know at all. God has blessed me. She's a gift from God, and I thank God for her. I'm not diminishing the blessing of God found in a spouse or in a job that God has provided to you or even a bigger paycheck. I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm not diminishing the blessing that is found in those or even the joy found in other things on earth. I'm not saying that, but nothing and nobody on this earth can keep you safe from and safe through all the difficulty you most certainly will face. Earthly messiahs will always fall short in your life. And that should be expected. We live in a fallen world, surrounded by broken people. And we expect deliverance from another sinner, another person who's also broken. You're putting all your trust and dependence and your spouse is just your rock. They're broken too. Listen, earthly messiahs will always fall short. And in the little moments of difficulty that we more often will face on a day-to-day basis, you're going to respond one way or the other. You're either going to rest in your own strength in determination, your own strength to, to show patience and to be calm and to hold your tongue and to control your temper. You'll rest in yourself to do that. Or you will rest in Christ to deliver you from even the little moments of difficulty. And I'm talking about everyday occurrences. When your coworker frustrates you because they didn't do their job, it's a little moment of difficulty. When your son or daughter shows an attitude and and you just you want to put the fear of God into them and just and just you just want to just man let them know who's boss. When your child spills their drink or spills their juice or they break something and. And, and, and the, the flesh wells up inside that parent to just say, Well, I need to teach them. So they need to be more careful. And you start to lash out when your spouse doesn't do something that they said they would do or, or they say something that hurts you. These little moments of difficulty. By the way, these are all proofs that we live in an imperfect, broken world. And oftentimes we try to ignore those moments when we fail to show the grace of God and the love of Christ to those around us, we try to ignore those moments and act like they're just common, uh, normal occurrences where we suddenly have the right to be angry and the right to be rude or critical or mean. We just say, well, this is just a normal part of life. This is just what happens. I just got to take care of this. It's not a big deal. In those little moments of difficulty, you can either rest in your strength and fail miserably most of the time,
1: or even in those
0: daily, common occurrences When our faith is tested, even if it seems a little bit, we can choose to believe Jesus when he said these things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace in the world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. God knows that we aren't going to have these earth-shattering, life-changing trials of affliction every day. Just, that's, not, that's not real life. What he also knows is that we are going to daily be faced with little moments of spiritual warfare when we have to make a choice to rest in Christ or to live life without His power. We make that choice every day in the little things. To rest in Christ And let him lead the way and let him give us peace and and, and help us to be calm and not to lash out. Or we live life without his power. And Jesus gives grace for it all. There's grace for every moment. The difficulty you face or that you're facing, it will trigger a response. And if you're going through something right now, you're responding one way or the other. Let's look at the next few verses. 2 Chronicles, verse 20, verse 5 and 6. and We'll read a few verses in a row here. Verse 5 says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave us it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever, and they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, he's praying right now, I remember that, if when evil cometh upon us as the sword, uh, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. We read these verses. And the last truth that I see in this passage is simply this. Difficulty is an opportunity to worship. Difficulty is an opportunity to worship. King Jehoshaphat, in the face of difficulty, stand before God with all of Judah, the men, the women, the children, the families, and he makes the choice to worship. He makes the choice to trust God, to depend upon God, to rely on God. And you see it through his whole prayer. Verses 5 through 13. You see the sovereignty of God is recognized in verse, in verse number 6. He says, you are God in heaven. You rule over the kingdom of the heathen. There, there, in thine hand is, there, there's power and might none is able to stand against thee he shows the sovereignty of God and, and, and glorifies that he, he mentioned verse 7 the covenant the promise that God had made with them and mentions Abraham and said listen this is the promise you made and you keep your promises in verse 8 and 9 he acknowledges the presence of God says you're, you're with us we built a house for you the sanctuary and you're here we know your presence is here in verse 10, he, he glorifies the goodness of God as, as he talks about uh, how God delivered them from Egypt. In and, and verse 11, he acknowledges the fact that they belong to God, that they're, that they're his possession and that he gave them that land. And then in verse 12 and 13, as a nation, uh, they reaffirm their utter dependence on God. Look what it says in verse 12. Uh, if I can go back. are you there yet? Yeah. Oh, one more. Look at verse 12. It's right there in the, in the middle of the passage. It says, O our God, wilt thou now judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. We don't have the power. We can't do it. We can't do it. And he goes on to say beyond that, and we don't know what to do. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Completely, utterly dependent upon God. In their difficulty, they chose to worship. God had never let them down. Even when they continually uh, walked away from God and rebelled and and turned to other gods, he still forgave, he still loved, he still showed grace. They may have endured chastening uh, through the years and and through their their sin, but it was all part of God's grace, the chastening that they endured. He forgave. He gave second chances. Listen, have you ever recognized your difficulties as an opportunity to worship? Think about that. The difficulties that you face, whether they be big or small, do you see them as opportunities to worship? Because just like the people of Judah, just like this passage, in your life, in your difficulties, God is still sovereign. He is still in control of your life, even when things don't make sense. He's in control. He's sovereign. He makes no mistake. What you have faced in your life, He could have stopped it, and He didn't. Remember that. The trials that you face, the things that walk into your life and, and help make everything come crashing down. God could have stopped that. He could have, but he did not He let it come into your life. It's an opportunity to worship. You can worship Him. He will keep the promises that He made to you, just like the king mentioned the covenant. Listen, the promises He has made to you, He will not break them. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And Jesus was forsaken by the Father on the cross, so we never would be. That's a promise you can believe. He is with you. He is always only good in your life. God is always only good in your life. And you can worship him. He is worthy. You don't have to be a slave to fear or a slave to shame or a slave to sin. You belong to God. You're a child of God. That's a reason to worship. Just like the king did, you've got to get to the point when you can say, I don't have the strength and I don't know what to do, but I need you, God. I need you, God, and I worship you for who you are and what you'll do. And my eyes are upon you, like like the people said here. You just picture all those families. It says in verse 13, they stood before the Lord with their little ones, uh, their wives and their children. They just stand there before God, resting in Him, trusting in Him. Every trial you face and every difficulty you stumble through is another opportunity to bring God glory and to draw closer to Him. Think about that. Every trial you face, every difficulty that you stumble through in this life is another opportunity to bring God glory and to draw closer to Him. I want to read some verses from 1 Peter 3, and I have one verse at the end that I'll put on the screen, but listen to these other ones first. 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Just talks about the gospel in those verses. Wherein he greatly rejoiced, though now for a season, listen to this, now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Peter just said, hey, trials are going to come. Temptations, you know, the word temptation meaning uh, uh, trials and troubles. They're going to come and you're going to have heaviness. But then it says in verse 7 that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Our trials are troubles, being much more precious than gold. Why are my difficulties... So valuable. Why are your trials and difficulties so valuable? Why do they carry so much worth? Because they are an opportunity to worship God. They give you a reason to give God glory when it doesn't make sense. They give you a reason to lean on Him. They keep you close to Him. That is the purpose of those trials in your life that you're facing, to draw you back to His side. But oftentimes, we use the difficulties in our lives as an opportunity to complain, to fear, to hide away, to get angry with God in some cases. Even even the small things. That is not His plan. That is not His will. And that doesn't have to happen. You do not have to. To, to, to fall into that trap of complaining and fear and all those things. Listen, the trials are coming to your life. You can worship Him. David, in Psalm 3, right at the beginning of the Psalm, under the, under the, uh, the number it says, uh, when he fled from his son Absalom. When David wrote Psalm 3, he was running for his life from his son, which, by the way, the reason all that's happening was a consequence of David, David's sin from before. He was dealing with these family issues, and now his son was trying to steal the throne, and he's fleeing for his life. But he writes this in Psalm 3. We've looked at it before. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me, his own child. Many there be would say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Talk about difficulty. Talk about trouble. Talk about trial. But what does David say? But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of mine head. David chooses in his difficulty to worship, and you see it throughout all the Psalms. He was King Jehoshaphat's great, great, great grandfather. David was, and he, like I said, he wrote this while he was fleeing from Absalom, and he was worshiping in the midst of difficulty. A few weeks ago, I was um, in Dennis. And I was walking. Uh, I, I had picked up someone at Marissa's job. She takes care of an older guy in Dennis right by the coast. And I know we're always right by the coast, but uh, really, really close to the coast there. And, uh, and I, I decided to just see that I hadn't, I hadn't been to that, that beach out in Dennis. I don't even know the name of it, but that beach um, in Dennis. And um, I decided to pull over there. And, and to be honest, that, a few weeks ago at that time, I, 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 for some reason, was really struggling. I was just really down. You know, I just, I didn't know what it was. I was just kind of in a slump, and I don't know. It was, it was really a unique situation, and, and I, I just felt like I was in a slump, and, and God felt a little distant, and I was reading my Bible and praying, and, and, and we were having church and all these things, and during the week, I just, I think God was even, I mean, we, were, we had some great things happen, but I was just down. I didn't know why. I didn't understand why. You hear people talk about like the storms of life that come in and, you know, uh, scary and dark and hard times. And this wasn't like that. I didn't feel like I was in this crazy storm of just depression. It was almost just like it was a little cloudy in my life. It wasn't this big thunder and lightning, but almost like the picture. Like, it was just a cloudy day, and, I, and, I, and I, I got out of the van, I parked the car, I don't know the name of the beach, but like, there's just this whole line of parking, and then kind of like a wooden beam, and a kind of a wooden fence kind of thing, and you just walk up the steps onto the beach, and there was nobody there at all, obviously not a good beach day, and uh, I, I, I pulled up, and I was just struggling, I, I don't know what it was, and I just felt like life was just a little cloudy, life was pretty normal, things were normal, but life just felt cloudy, I got out of the car, and the boys were just playing video games in the car, and I was, they were right there. And I had felt myself over the, those last few days getting a little bit more impatient than normal, a little negative, a little insecure, and it was just it was impacting everything in my life. And I knew it, and it was frustrating to me. I'm like, what is going on with me? What is the deal? Why do I feel this way? I'm, I'm trying to rest in Christ. I'm trying to obey. I am obeying Him. I, I, I'm, I'm staying open. I'm just. I'm trying to just rest in the Lord. Why do I feel this way? What is my problem? I told God as I walked that beach. I, I told Him. I said, I'm not looking for a sign. I'm not looking for like you know, uh, you know, a seagull to just you know, Lord, if you're there, just have a seagull just dive bomb into the ocean and just you know, completely just. just. Or have a you know a, a a fish just come on shore and and drop a a locket in my hand. I didn't. I just. I don't need no signs, Lord. I'm not looking for a sign. I just need you. I just need you. I don't. I, don't, I feel like it sounds so cliche, but that that's all I could think I'm Like, Lord, I just I need you. I I asked Him to show Himself to me. He said, Lord, please. Even when, isn't it crazy? Even when you're surrounded by people that you love and by people that love you, you can still feel alone sometimes that's the enemy. Like, you see, if you if you can see, there's like this tiniest little island. you know what, they probably wouldn't even consider an island probably just a bunch of trash floating in the ocean. I don't know. But I looked out at that and I thought, you know, like, you sometimes feel that way. Completely alone. And you're a Christian and you depend on God and you love the Lord. And you have people that love you a lot. And you're not even going through anything, but life just felt a little cloudy and I asked him to help me. I, and I said, Lord, I just need something. Please, just talk to me. I was just, I just was walking for a few minutes and I turned around to just look at the van. It was not far away from me at all, but I just kind of obviously kept my eye on the van, make sure no one took off with it and things like that, but there was nobody there. And I turned around, you know, as I was praying and talking to the Lord and just asking for something. And when I turned around to look at the van, I, I saw this. This is what I saw, okay? And immediately, God began to soften my heart, immediately. Immediately. I, it's like I felt this wave of grace just like pour over me, and it was like the Lord was like, "Hey, I'm here, and you have Jesus," and I saw that. That's what that's what I saw. You can't really see it from that first pitch, but that's what I saw. And even though I had said, "Lord, I don't need a sign," it's almost like He He, he wanted to show me something and to kind of whip me back into shape. And and I realized, and I already knew it, but you kind of forget. Easy to just let anxiety. Uh, Cause you to just forget who God really is. And the cross reminded me that God loved me enough to come to this earth in the form of Jesus and die for me. And He is enough for every struggle, for every hard day, for every day that I feel like I don't, that I haven't accomplished anything worthwhile. He is enough. And it's the truth of the gospel that gives me the grace to worship in the middle of difficulty. It's the gospel. If God cared enough to give me the cross for eternal life after death, he sure cares enough to give me Christ for my life right now in every moment of every day. Man, and God helped me that day. And that, that, that wave of kindness that, that seemed to just overcome me, I didn't know what it was. I thought, man, God, God allowed me to get to that point because he wanted to remind me of who he really was and show me the power of the gospel yet again in my life. I mean, it was, it's amazing how like you can just kind of switch. One moment I was just like, what's going on? The next moment I was like, hallelujah, man. God is good. Man, this is, this is great. And, and thank God for the gospel. Thank God for the cross and for the resurrection and the power that it gives me. And that's just one of many reasons that we can worship Him in difficulty. Difficulty doesn't mean just the big, scary moments of life because we live in the brief moments of difficulty every day. That's our reality. That's our address. That's where we live. Those little moments of difficulty that we face every day that we don't even see that it's a test. When we choose to get frustrated, when we choose to lash out, when we choose to mutter under our breath, when we choose to act in fear, when we choose to complain, we choose not to worship. That's the choice we make. Not to worship. And Christ alone gives the victory. He said, in this world, he saw tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We can, we should worship through our difficulties. I want to leave you with this thought and we'll pray. He said, I have overcome the world. And when trouble comes over you, because it will. When trouble comes over you, remember the one who overcomes. When trouble comes over you, remember the one who overcomes. I don't know what's going on in your life personally right now. I know what's going on in all of our lives. You know, as a nation, life is crazy and, and things are changing. And maybe your schedule and things like that, or difficulties, kind of creeping in your life. Maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal, but you have a choice to make. To worship or not to worship. To rest in Christ or to rest in yourself. And may we personally, individually, make the choice to worship God through the difficulty. He's worthy of it. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you, and we need you. Lord, I ask you just to bless us, Lord. Let's just be singing in just a moment and worship you this morning. We're going to sing, Lord, I need you, and Lord, we do need you. God, help us, Lord, just to, to rest in you and to rest in your grace. God, I'm desperate for you every moment, Lord. You know that, God. Help me never to rest in my own strength and power, God. I need you. I need you to lead the way every moment of every day. Help us not to rest in our abilities and our talents, Lord, to completely, completely sacrifice all and rest in you. And lay everything else down at the altar and at your feet and and, and just completely, Lord, be dependent upon you. That is the only way to live with true peace. Would you help us? Would you bless us today? In your precious and holy name, amen. Let's stand together.